I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Sam Abbott, a registered dietitian nutritionist and owner of the nutrition practice G&G Nutrition Company, where she provides one-on-one nutrition coaching services locally in Charlotte, North Carolina, and also virtually. Sam helps women with PCOS ditch diets, improve insulin resistance, and balance hormones without feeling guilty or stressed about food. After spending years of seeing clients, she realized that women with PCOS were only being told to lose weight, exercise more, and eat less. Sam is passionate about empowering all women with PCOS with the tools they need to improve their hormone balances through nutrition and lifestyle changes so they can live their healthiest lives. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for having me. I'm oh, excited. I'm, I'm excited to have you here and share your story. And can you tell everybody where to find you on social media and your website and all that? Everyone can find me on Instagram at PCOS.nutritionist. And my website is ggnutritionco.com. Awesome. Can we talk about how great your handle is? <laughs> I wonder who told me to change it. <laughs> it is a really good handle. I'm shocked that it was available really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was too. And I, I feel like the only reason it was available is because dietitians are so hesitant to use the word nutritionist. You think so? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I can't wait to share your story and talk about how and why you've changed the handle and just the whole, um, yeah, your whole progression with your business and the work you do. Um, so thank you for, for uh, inspiring your colleagues. Let's get started with your nutrition philosophy since that intro there um, talked about how you, you know, contribute to PCOS and how you provide support to women. So can you speak a little bit more on that? Yes. So I practice from a Hazeline philosophy, just meaning that I believe anyone who has PCOS has the right to respectful medical and nutrition care independent of body size. So I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions about HAZE, which stands for health at every size. I think sometimes people think it means healthy at any size, which it doesn't. It's more approaching nutrition, kind of even from like a social justice perspective and just saying that we should not treat people's weight as a medical condition. And that if somebody is coming to me and they're a larger body, I need to look at every aspect of what's going on with them to come up with the best nutrition plan rather than just telling them everything would improve if they were to lose weight. And how has, so with that philosophy, can you talk a little bit about how you came to that philosophy, why that's important to you? There are so many listeners that struggle with this concept. So if you could just share a little personal behind the scenes, how you Mm -hmm. got clear. Definitely. Um, I think it was just a natural progression. I've had my private practice since 2017 and definitely coming out of a clinical background, I 
was very much like, oh, we all need to lose weight to improve health. And then when I actually started seeing clients, I just realized there wasn't really as much of a correlation between weight and health as I previously assumed. And then when I started specializing in PCOS, for those who are not familiar with PCOS, it stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. It's an endocrine disorder and a lot of the hormonal imbalances such as underlying insulin resistance and other things, one of the main symptoms is weight gain. And what happens with a lot of people with PCOS is they do not change anything about their diet or lifestyle and they just continue to gain weight and gain weight and gain weight and they really don't know why. So when they're trying to do everything to lose weight and they can, it's so counterproductive to just say, okay, well, you just need to lose weight and then you'll feel better. So that's kind of how I, did that answer your question? A little bit. So I'm more interested in how you, like with your private practice, how did you come to this? Like what made you decide to be, to say, I am doing PCOS and I'm, you know, doing it for mm-hmm. health at every size. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So my sister has pretty severe PCOS and she's gone through the standard the, st- the standard medical situation that a lot of people with PCOS have been through, which is it took her years to get diagnosed, was not really fully evaluated the way she should have been. Um, I've just seen her really struggle. And then when I was, I did not originally specialize in PCOS or really know anything about it. And as I saw more and more clients, every client had the same story of they didn't really know what PCOS was. Everybody was just telling them to lose weight. They really felt hopeless and depressed and had anxiety around food. And they were getting no help or guidance of how to treat this condition or improve their symptoms. So I just became more and more passionate about PCOS and health at every size as I've seen more and more women just because... Everybody deserves to live a happy and healthy life. And PCOS affects so many women, over 10% of women, we think. So, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And so I love, thank you for sharing that your sister has PCOS. And so you being in private practice, seeing what you've seen, finalizing that you're interested in this space and then relating to the fact that your sister struggled with this is how you position yourself with this niche in this area what advice do you have for dietitians who don't have, um, you, you know, you don't have PCOS, right? So who don't have the condition that they're uh, promoting and they feel that that holds them back from actually providing care? Because that does come up a lot. Do you have anything to say about that? Right. Yeah. And I think if, you know, I don't have PCOS, so I'm never going to tell one of my clients, I know exactly what you're going through, but I can still share, you know, I work with so many women who are going through the exact same things. And I think you can still communicate to potential clients that you understand their pain points, even if you're not actually experiencing them yourself. And you can still help someone solve problem with that knowledge that we have as um, dietitians, even if we're not actually experiencing the problem ourselves. So I love that and I agree with that, but I would say, I don't know if you agree here, that most dietitians feel that they have to be passionately aligned and connected so much that they have the problem, um, that they've either experienced the problem or they've overcome the problem that they're solving. And I, I appreciate that you're saying that's not exactly true. Right. Yeah, no, we do think that. And even from the passion perspective, I mean, 
yeah, you want to like what you have to do, but you can be really, really passionate about something and then also be really, really good at something else too. Yeah. Well, thank you for representing that you are advocating for PCOS and you're advocating for health at every size and you have, you know, the experience of your sister having it, not necessarily you, but that doesn't hold you back from solving the pain points, being a resource, and then saying you understand from the lens of your other clients you served doesn't have to be that you've understood yourself. So yes, definitely. Great perspective. And when it comes to your business, can you talk about your progression in your private practice? I am, of course, specifically interested in the shift from insurance to self-pay and how you've been able to, you know, attract clients and, and just progress your, your, um, your, your virtual practice, maybe even with COVID and all that kind of stuff that's been recent. Right. Definitely. So up until really when COVID started, ironically, my business was primarily insurance based. I would say maybe 10% of my clients were cash paying clients So last year, I took a ton of time off of work for personal reasons. We were doing like this nightmare home renovation. And so when I kind of jumped back into business in January, I had a really busy month and I was exhausted. I mean, I made more money than I had ever made, but I was so tired just seeing client after client after client. And I was like, I have to find a way to shift from this model of where I'm clients are paying or I'm being reimbursed like visit by visit by visit and try to come up with a better plan. I really wanted to shift to cash paying clients for a couple of reasons. One was I really wanted to do more telehealth. And prior to COVID, insurance was not covering telehealth where I am. So that was one thing. And then the second thing is I really wanted to form better relationships with my clients and work with people who were more motivated to stick with things long term. So like on a three-ish month basis or even longer where I could meet with them for sessions, but also offer email support in between and things like that. So it was really shifting my entire business model almost. And so what helped you shift that? Definitely my marketing because prior to COVID when I was running mostly an insurance-based practice, literally my marketing was, I accept insurance and your visit is free. (laughs) And that's like, that's really how I encourage people to, I'm like embarrassed even saying that now, but that was really how I marketed on my website. I said that I accepted this insurance and typically visits are covered. And I, I did say that I specialized in PCOS, but I saw a little bit of everything. But when I really changed my marketing to, to, instead of being all about insurance, being about my ideal client and their pain points and trying to touch on like how I'm helping them, I just feel like cash paying clients just started coming to me. Incredible. And congratulations. And there's nothing embarrassing about starting and taking insurance. And it's beautiful that you've been able to say, okay, now I can apply marketing in a sense where I'm able to attract self-paying clients and then they show up and it's aligned with what you want, right? Yeah. I think that that's the biggest part is we all have a type of client that we really like working with. And when you can market to that specific client, they come to you. Beautiful. And so let's break that down a little bit because that's still a difficult topic for our colleagues <laughs> to digest. 
So what helped you get more clear with your ideal client? There's a lot of layers, right? It's your philosophy, which we talked about, and then it's understanding what she wants and then communicating and translating it on social media. So could you break down a little bit about that process or share with us some tips? Yes, definitely. If you're somebody that's had problems with this, I mean, it's something that I really, really struggle with. I'm still, I feel like I'm getting a lot better, but you know, I'm still a work in progress. I feel like when we're niching down, like for me personally with PCOS, when we look at PCOS, there are so many different problems. There's infertility. There are people who are primarily only concerned about weight loss. There are people who are really struggling with acne or they're growing facial hair and they don't, they want to resolve physical symptoms as well. How I would talk to somebody struggling with infertility is completely different than how I would talk to somebody that wants to resolve their acne. So it's really, I really had to get clear about who can I help the best, which is really my ideal client is really somebody who has been kind of ostracized by the medical community. Like she can't get any tools that she needs to help feel better, have more energy, really stop the carb cravings and evening binges just because whenever she tries to get any information, her doctor is just telling her to lose weight. And she's tired of hearing that. So it's just kind of like understanding that who you're seeing and what problems they have. So when you were under clear, you're very clear that these women have been ostracized and you know who that woman is and how she feels and what she needs. So what helped you understand on a deeper level what her problems are and how to translate them into your messaging and then how to look at your messaging and your content and, re- and revise that? Because that's truly, I mean, you could tell the story, but is that what gets you the people that are applying, the cash paying clients? So I'm trying to understand that process. Oh, gotcha. So I thought about all of the clients that I had worked with and who really fall into my ideal client group and what are some specific things they had said to me? What are some words that they had used? I hopped into some Facebook groups where I knew kind of like my ideal client was hanging out and I was listening to the types of things that they were talking about. And I really kind of used that in my messaging to connect better with my ideal client. Fantastic. And then after doing the research and understanding what she wants and getting clear, like you said, there's a myriad of issues within PCOS. And then it's great that you're sharing that you've really been able to hone in on her specific issues. What has helped you make better content, right? So putting content out there and then revising it each week um, and seeing the progression. And we'll talk a little bit about the second piece, which is getting them to, to reach out to you Um, and and apply in in the sales calls piece and enroll cash paying, but how do you like get the right person to even see you, you know, increase visibility in the first place? So can Mm -hmm. you tips or talk about your process about um, content revision and and, um, and that whole journey? Yes. So I'm always looking at my analytics on Instagram and paying attention to the engagement that I'm getting, the DMs I'm getting, when are people booking discovery calls, and I'm really using the posts that are most popular in that aspect and trying to recreate those. Every Friday, I set aside time to actually look at my analytics to see what was popular this week, what has been popular over the past month or so, and are there any common themes? And then I try to recreate those. Sometimes 
I can't figure out what it is about a post that makes it really popular. And then sometimes it's really obvious, but I just think it's, it's really trial and error and just continuing to try new things. Yeah. And so has that process been harder or easier or more in depth? Like share with us some behind the scenes about your, your feelings and emotions. Cause for a lot of my listeners, this is not easy. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing is stepping back and realizing that getting business off of Instagram is not about likes. And when I really started to dive into the analytics, I started separating out when a lot of the engagement that I was getting was coming from other dietitians. Because other dietitians are great and it's great that we're all supporting each other, but they're not the people that are buying things from me. So I think it was when I stopped creating content that I thought I liked and instead was trying to create things more than I knew my ideal client would want. And that was like a really, really hard shift. But I feel like I'm getting the hang of it now. Like when I'm making something, I'm not thinking as much about what other dietitians will think of it more so than, you know, how will this resonate with my ideal client? And yeah, and the psychology behind that, that's tough for a lot of listeners, right? To think of yes. not disappoint our colleagues because as you know, there's a lot of conflicting philosophies and we want support from our own, but we also have to market to one person. And that is for you, a woman who has PCOS, who's looking to find food freedom, right? Through her dream, mm-hmm. balancing, you know, insulin levels, et cetera. So what do you do or practice or tell yourself to get over other dietitians' opinions, since it's not that they don't matter, but that's not who you're serving and that's not your visibility strategy? Mm-hmm. I think it was really, I just came to the realization that a lot of what had been holding me back in my marketing messaging was really worrying about what other dietitians would think. So I really have worked hard to just try to step away from that overall. So, and I think part of it too, again, going back to the analytics and like stepping away from how popular a post is overall and more just looking at things like website clicks, profile views, engagement DMs and stuff like that. And it kind of like reinforces the idea that like, okay, maybe not a ton of dietitians are giving me like high fives on this post, but I booked like three discovery calls off of it. Amazing. And that shift in perspective is incredible. I I thank you for sharing that. And that's so hard for many of us to understand. It is hard. It is really hard. We're we're really type A and everybody's in what everybody's doing, <laughs> which is good in some ways, but then it, it can create a lot of insecurities too. Absolutely. But the fact that you're acknowledging that barrier and that you overcame it is going to inspire the listeners to acknowledge that barrier and overcome it. I know it's a really big topic that many of us struggle with right now, especially with varying philosophies, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, wanting love and not getting acceptance from other colleagues. And of course, we want to support one another, right? I I encourage that. But we also have to realize that we are here as a business to serve our audience. And that's who matters. And that's who we want to apply for our services, unless if you're in business to business like me, but you know, that's not, (laughs) we're talking about you right now in context of PCOS. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about your offer. But before we chat about that, Can you talk about the sales process and how that's, you know, what have you done to improve that or how have you used Instagram as you're using it as a business tool to get people who are qualified to apply and then get them to buy the service that you offer? Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yes, definitely. And I think this has been one of the biggest shit I've had in my business over the past few months because I previously allowed clients to book appointments online without ever talking to me. Like they could purchase <laughs> purchase a session or book a session with insurance. And I have shifted to now. I don't offer that feature on my website anymore. Everybody has to book a discovery call. I just have a few questions asking people what they struggle with and why they're looking for nutrition counseling. And I have a link in my profile to the discovery call. So somebody can click on that link. So just as a summary here, you used to market just by taking insurance and whoever showed up because it was free to them, then you got Mm -hmm. that way. And now you've shifted. We'll talk about that in a minute. And you used to not have a process. And now you have an application with simple questions where they are qualified. They apply because they've seen your content and they, you speak to them and then you get somebody and ideally sell them into your service. So much different process. Yes. And I I do also, I know this is kind of controversial, but one of my questions, I do list my pricing, just like they acknowledge that that they're okay or they want to move forward, even though they know the pricing. So it just dodges the types of calls where people are no longer interested anymore when they hear your pricing. Absolutely. And so when it comes to the call itself, talk to us or, you know, what have you learned or applied or how have you kind of change your mindset or strategy with, with that piece? Mm-hmm. Um, I really try to tune in on the call to what exactly is this person struggling with and can I articulate to them how I can help them solve those struggles? So it's not as much me talking. It's me listening and saying, you know, can you tell me more about that? Or why is it important to you? Or just kind of validating that like, you're not alone. So many other people struggle with this and this is how I help other people. So really making the call not about me at all and really more about the potential client. Hey, that sounds a lot like how you make your content. I know. (laughs) It's crazy how that works. Yeah, that's incredible. And so what, what do you think has been the hardest thing that you've had to learn or apply or the slowest thing with sales calls since that is a big sticking point for a lot of listeners? Mm-hmm. Well, truthfully, I think the more that I've refined my ideal client, the easier sales calls go because I feel like with PCOS, weight loss is such a big thing that I feel like prior to improving my marketing, I was spending a lot of time on the sales call trying to explain to somebody why I didn't think focusing on weight was really helping them that much. It's like talking them out of their main main goal. So I do think that improving marketing has actually just made sales calls so much easier. And then something else that I continued to work on is really just being a good listener, I think. Yeah. And, and, and that's really powerful and so underrated, both in coaching and sales calls. And my philosophy is that when you practice and learn sales calls, you translate that, those skills into coaching, truly. It's, Definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. I mean, there are some, some differences. <laughs> um, so I, if you're comfortable, can you talk a little bit about the process as far as your journey? When you mentioned ideal client, I think you make it sound easy and that's nice, mm-hmm. refreshing, but it's not easy. 
Yeah. Uh, easy for some of us, but it, for others of us, it takes uh, time and some concentration and practice. So can you talk about like some of what you had to work through to get more clear with your ideal client, which and then in turn has helped your content. And as you said, your sales calls, like what have been some of the biggest sticking points with getting her clear? I think just running through the different characteristics about this person, my ideal client's name is Michelle and just getting really, really clear about little details that I feel like we're afraid to define because I didn't want to push other people away by excluding them, by picking those little details. So like, does she have insulin resistance or does she not? Like, how old is she? My ideal client is super girly and likes makeup and hair stuff and things like that. Like, what are her exact specific struggles? Like, she binges in the evening, but she does not have binge eating disorder. Just like really specific things like that. And just kind of thinking again about who is the type of person that I can best help and what types of characteristics like fall in into that type of person. Yeah, absolutely. And on a deeper level, what about body size? Has that been something that's really helped you hone in? I know that's a, a difficult topic. Yeah, it's such a sensitive topic, but I do envision my ideal client to be in a larger body because part of the pain point is constantly just being told to lose weight and really treated like, hey, you're you're in a larger body, so clearly you don't care about taking care of yourself and you're probably just getting fast food for every single meal. Yeah. And so with that strong narrative that you explained, how have you translated that into your content? And then how has that resonated with people? How has that affected your sales calls and transformed your business and helped you get in front of the right person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have started talking a little bit more about weight in my post. And that's been really difficult for me. I know like one of the questions that I had asked you is I've started doing like a few posts where I'm representing some of the situations that my clients have had with their doctors. And I was like, is this insensitive to do during COVID because the medical community is doing so much? And here I am saying like shining a negative light on the medical community. But I think it all just goes back to, you know, what is your ideal client struggling with? And that is a main struggle for her. So are you saying in, in short that you had a barrier of feeling scared about really honing in on her big problem and struggle, but then you identified it and overcame it and then were able to relate to her, even though it felt a little sticky given COVID? Yes, definitely. Thanks for summing that up for me. Yeah, I, well, I, I, yeah, I'm just saying it in another way. So I, I think that's really powerful statement, especially because if you're avoiding talking about the biggest problem she has, you're doing your marketing a disservice. So mm -hmm. even though it's hard, the fact that you're able to have these conversations during a difficult time about a difficult topic does make you stand out. It not only makes you an expert, but you truly are helping the women that you intend to serve and they need you. They need that resource. Mm -hmm. so yes. It's not easy, but it, it does help you position yourself the way that you want to be positioned. Yeah. And it, it's getting easier now. Now that I'm kind of getting the hang of things, it, it is getting a little easier. Yeah. And that's, that's nice to hear. It's just those humps, right? You've got a few humps to get there. Yes, for sure. Can you talk a little bit about your offer and just transitioning from the insurance to, I think you did the bundle to then the package. Can you talk about that, you know, progression? Mm -hmm. So I stopped offering individual sessions in 
March and I started offering a three visit bundle. So it was just three visits together. It didn't include any type of in-between support or anything like that. And my goal, I was trying to think of whether it was 12 or 16 clients a week. Um, But when I met that, I shifted to offering a three-month package. So now it's bi-weekly visits, support in between sessions, and then unlimited messaging support. Okay. And so what helped you get to that? Like what helped you frame the the progression? What do you think was, was it setting the capacity? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of setting the capacity. And then I was just getting a ton of discovery calls. Like one week, I think I had 12 discovery calls And that's when I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to upgrade or move on to something that's at a little bit of a higher price point so I can spread this out a little bit. Just to summarize, (laughs) the demand that you have, and were those 12 people from, they they found you from Instagram, is that correct? Yes, yeah. That's incredible, Sam. So you went from an insurance business to defining your ideal client to getting 12 discovery calls a week and that helped you determine that you need to increase the price point because the demand increased and that helped you sell like get the confidence to to push a package and then to sell it. Mhm. Yes. And that would be possible if you didn't just get out there and define that ideal client and get the right types of 12 people to apply. Right. Yes, just putting myself out there and just trying new things and seeing what works. Well, it's more than that, so let's give you more <laughs> So showing up is good, but showing up strategically, talking about difficult topics during a pandemic, when that woman who feels marginalized in society needs you, that's what you did is you showed up when it was difficult. So it's a little more than just showing up. Yes, there was a lot going on behind the scenes when I was showing up. But yeah, I think the craziest thing is I've made more money during COVID than I have before the pandemic started. And I think it's just, if somebody has a problem and they're looking for a solution, that doesn't stop during a pandemic. And that can, it can even become worse during like a difficult time. And, and so thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of us, we, we have a mindset issues, right? About why we can't be of service, why we can't market or why we think people don't need us. And, and that's such a valid point when you're solving a big problem, like that problem can be exacerbated and then they still need you to be there as a, as a resource. So you got to stand up and still show up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so are you comfortable? Congrats on your, your Thank you. it's really incredible that you went from insurance to cash pay and with the demand is able, you're able to improve or, and, you know, progress the offer. Are you comfortable talking a little bit about like the revenue progression and where you want to go with your business and how you want to take this? Yeah. Yeah. I can. So I, last year, I'm trying to like think of how to explain this without going into this whole long story. Last year, I feel like I almost took the year off of work because we went through a really struggle renovation with a lot of unexpected things. So last year, the amount of money I made was about the same as my clinical salary, but I was only working about four hours per week and I took the whole summer off of work. This year, I was trying to like hit the reset button. I wanted to jump back in full time. I'm definitely on track to hit six figures. My ultimate goal based off of my package pricing is to make $17,000 a month. I'm definitely like not there right now, but that would be like a goal to work on throughout the year. 
that's incredible. But you're on your way because you've switched the model from what you offered and from insurance to packages. And as long as you have demand, you can absolutely hit that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we look at the past, you said clinical job, replace that with four hours a week in your practice with insurance. And now you're, I don't know how much of insurance you're still seeing, but if the demand increases, assuming you can absolutely hit that goal, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, before we got on this Zoom call, I was looking through my financials for this year and I saw for my cash-based income since January, I've quadrupled it. Incredible. And so, and that's from your marketing, organic marketing efforts. Is that correct? So how do you feel? Yes. And if, like, it feels good. It feels really nice, especially because it's scary switching from clinical to starting your own practice. And I'm sure we've all had this experience where someone in our life, whether it was in clinical or a family member, somebody is like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, don't you want a, a paycheck, a steady paycheck and things like that? And seeing that you can just be really successful, seeing the type of clients that you want to see and and managing your own schedule is fun. Yeah, it's fun and empowering. And to be able to do it on your terms with who you want is incredible. And you've grown really fast, Sam. Like all those progressions is you're really role modeling, whether it's an insurance-based dietitian or somebody who's just, you know, wants to go from clinical to, to private practice or skip clinical altogether. I really do think it's all in my marketing because before I didn't really have any type of marketing strategy at all. Yeah. Well, on that note, if you want to leave us with maybe one or two actionable tips for dietitians as far as what you think they need to know to improve their marketing so they too can achieve their financial dreams and, and be able to live a life with more freedom. So one thing would be, and I know that this is really hard for everyone, is definitely think about niching down because we can't be experts in everything. And if you're speaking to everyone, then you're really speaking to no one. And then I think too, when you're thinking about marketing of really thinking about what is the outcome that you're helping someone achieve and what are the pain points that they're struggling with that are preventing them from reaching that outcome and try to build your marketing around that. Fantastic tips. Thank you for your time and sharing that with us. Any final notes you want to leave us on or just let us know where to find you on social? Everybody connect with me on Instagram, PCOS.nutritionist. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time. This is awesome. Thank you. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.